Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. This is episode 71 of the Restricted Zone podcast. Uh, football episode today. I'm back with the fellow Coles today. Jonan, introduce yourself, man. Good evening, fellas. Week one, it was wild. Let's talk about it. Absolutely. Kendrick, the man who's always right. Introduce yourself, man. You know, it's me, the smartest one always on the on here, so, you know, listen to me, I give the greatest knowledge. Absolutely. Uh, Greg, introduce yourself, man. Best looking brother on here. Worst <laughs> fantasy team, got the worst fantasy team on here. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a crazy life, but I'm here. I'm here. Best All looking, right. it's subjective. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, Kendrick. That's fair. Uh, Chris, Mr. Raiders fan, introduce yourself, man. The most controversial one on here, but I love football. All right. Come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) With that being said, we all love football, and we dive right into a football episode. Jonan, I'm going to leave it to you. Yes, sir. So we've made our predictions. We had our divisional predictions, conference, Super Bowl, but now the 2022 NFL season is here with week one in the books. So. Look, I don't know about y'all, but I had a great Sunday. All right, football is back, first of all. The Eagles are 1-0. Yeah, it was sloppy how they got there, but they're 1-0 nonetheless. My fantasy team, they pulled out the dub, and one of my parlays hit. But what happened in the NFL in week one and on Sunday? Well, a lot happened. First, on Thursday, the Bills asserted their dominance against the defending Super Bowl champs. The Bengals and the Steelers go to the absolute wire in a crazy game. Pat Mahomes makes easy work of the Cardinals defense and kickers around the league just, they, they struggle to say the least. So we're going to get into all of that and more, but first we need to adjust one of the bigger stories of Sunday and Cowboys fans, you might want to cover your ears for this one. Quarterback Dak Prescott, he suffered a thumb injury on Sunday night versus Tampa Bay. He was originally expected to miss six to eight weeks, but Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, he's hopeful that he can come back in about four to six weeks. But me personally, I feel like that's just Jerry trying to save face, you know, save kayfabe, you know, make it seem like there's a little bit of hope. But um, I don't think so. I think Dak will be out for a significant amount of time. But nevertheless, the Cowboys are without their starter. So now I bring it to you guys. Where does Dallas go from here? And can they survive without Dak for however long he's going to be out? I'll leave the floor open to whoever. All right, I'm gonna say it. No, they can't survive. I mean, is Cooper is Cooper Rush really like that? Like, like, well, let's be serious. Is Cooper Rush really like that? Come, yeah. if, personally, he Kirk, no. He beat Kirk Cousins. I could beat Kirk Cousins on a good on a on a good day. Hey, ouch. That I mean, listen. If I catch him on a Monday night, it's really over. Like, honestly, that's an easy win. If it's Sunday though, he might he might get me. He might get me, but. I don't know. And the way that offense This better is, not blow up in your face on Monday, man. <laughs> don't don't chase my Eagles. Listen, all I'm saying is the way that offense is built and how the head coach McCarthy is, I just don't see it working out with Cooper Rush. Like I just don't. Like they're gonna really have to heavily rely on Zeke, but it's like that's not how the offense works now. So it's just gonna be it's gonna be real difficult. They may figure out by after a couple games with Cooper. Hopefully, 
honestly, I'm an Eagles fan. Hopefully, they just continue to be terrible. But you know, that's just a personal thing. But outside of that, I you see them to see it. <laughs> truly, um, I see them. They could maybe pull out one or two wins while Dak is out. But this is going to like really hurt them in the overall long run for him being out for between four to eight weeks. Like it's going to really hurt them in the long run in their playoff chances. My personal opinion. Does anyone disagree with that? I mean, you really can't because I think the same thing. I mean, we all saw um, Russell Wilson go through this type of injury last year. We saw that even when he tried to not rush his way back, but, you know, c- come back a little bit early, he still really wasn't effective at first. So that's going to miss four weeks. And, I mean, like we said, we don't know what we're going to expect from Cooper Rush. Yes, he beat Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, but, again, that was when Mike Zimmer was the head coach, and we all know he should have been gone at that point in time. So this is a much different team he's playing with now. No, the offensive line still dealing with injuries. Don't have as many weapons as they used to have. So it's going to be difficult. And we saw that from – we saw, and like I said, going back to the offensive line, which is the big thing we saw last – we saw when they against Tampa Bay, they were able to get pressure on Dak Prescott with ease, which is why he got – which is why he injured his thumb in the first place. So – I don't want to say the season is necessarily over because in the NFL and in the NFC East, we've just seen crazy things happen. And a team can sometimes make the playoffs if they're below 500. Can they can still be a wild card team? We've seen it happen before, so I'm not going to write them off entirely. But I think they are they are really they're down bad right now, though. They're down real bad. Down horrendous. Well, all right, Greg. Listen to this. This is the upcoming schedule for the Dallas Cowboys next week. They're still at home. They host the Bengals, and the Bengals, you know, they're going to come into that game pretty jacked up because of, you know, what happened past Sunday, and we'll get to that later. Then after that, they go on the road to the Giants, and they come back home to face off against the Commanders, and then after that, they go back on the road to L.A. to take on the Rams, and then they come here to Philly, actually, the week after that, take on the Eagles. So. There's all those games I listed. How many of those can Cooper Rush win, if any? I'll add even one more game. Uh, after this Eagles game, it's against the Lions. Uh, they they yes. play the Lions the following week. So and then the Bears. And then yeah. The so like realistically, I'm not gonna lie to you. I could see the Cowboys winning two to three of those games. Because let's be real, the Giants. You can catch the Giants any any game. Bengals is 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 that's gonna be light work. I'm not gonna lie, you're right about the carve. Well, you gotta believe both of those NFC East games are fifty fifty. Even I mean, even with the Eagles. No, 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 know, brother. No, 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 brother. Listen, please. I, listen, <laughs> please. I'm just saying, on. bro. No, 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 no. no. Like, like Chris just said, it crazy things happen. I'm not saying I feel, it's gonna happen. I feel you, bro. I'm just I saying, feel you, bro. It's, the NFC it's, East. it's in there. It's Sunday night football saying. in Philadelphia, and Cooper Crush is about to get. Never mind. That's, well, we can't we can't talk like that on on, on, right. on public on public TV, on public radio uh, uh, podcast. But what I will say is the Giants game. I get that fifty fifty. That's a Monday night game. Anything can happen. We just seen the Seattle Seahawks win. The Commanders game. Uh, your boy Carson Wentz love throwing interceptions. And hey man, you know they can. You just say your boy. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I was just—I don't know—I I was just chatting for real. Uh, I got you. I got you. That's, that's your Carson, boy, if anything. 
All right, fine. I'll, I'll take that. All right. uh, Carson, yeah, uh, Carson Wentz, you know, he wishy-washy between games. So in a game that he's favored, he's prone to throw some interceptions and, and lose them the game. So I got the Giants game, the Commanders game, and the Lions game all 50-50 for me. They're going to get waxed by the Eagles. They're going to get waxed by the Rams, and they're going to get waxed by the Bengals. So if they can win two out of those three games, then you're going into a situation where, like, by realistically, by the time they get to the Cowboys game, it could be like two and four or uh, three and three. So, or sorry, um, three and four or uh, two and five. So, I mean, you feel me? Like, I feel like, the, like you all said, like with the NFCs, anything's possible. And I think Cooper Rush can get y'all, can get, I'm sorry, can get the Cowboys like two games. I'm, I'm so I'm going over the next six they went into. All right, well, before we move on, I mean, one last question. I feel like the obvious question, I mean, is there anyone out there that the Cowboys can, you know, lean towards who can come in, you know, just be a Band-Aid, so to speak, for the next few weeks? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, will they have the cap space to even, you know, sign him if they could trade for him? Possibly Cam Newton off the streets. And I'm just going to throw it out there. Long shot, but Colin Kaepernick still. I mean, he had an opportunity. It felt like a couple of years ago he had, you know, the workouts, but that kind of fell through. Is there just any just any options at all for the Cowboys, I mean, or is this Cooper Rush? Honestly, you no, because the people you named do not have the arm strength for that offense, and I highly doubt they're going to be like, oh, we're going to just change it all up just because because we signed this quarterback. They need, if anybody, is there even anybody out there who has a strong enough arm just to be able to come, just to be able to have that offense work? They're all starters on other teams. Basically. I know there were a little bit of rumors of them trying to get Jimmy G, but those were shot down pretty quickly. Because again, he wouldn't even defend that offense. Yeah, and I feel like 49ers, you're just not ready to let go of him quite yet. Any final uh, thoughts, Greg? Uh, in Cooper Rush, I guess we gotta. I mean, it's it's the Cowboys. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, I seen Cooper Rush beat the Vikings twenty to sixteen on Sunday Night Football, and you know they in the in the Vikings had a full squad, and uh, like you can say that same thing you want about Cooper. That's that's something I'm on Kirk Cousins. But I'm just saying anything. It's any given Sunday, so. I got, I, 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 like, you'd be surprised. Crazier things have happened. Except not, just not against the Eagles. They're going to get lost. <laughs> Heard that any given Sunday indeed. But uh, we move on from Sunday. We go back a few days to Thursday and the opener to the season, the 2022 opener, the Super Bowl banner ceremony game, the Bills versus the Rams, a game that the Bills just completely dominated, winning 31-10. to 10. They racked up 413 yards on offense and still scored 31 points despite having four turnovers. And Matt Stafford, his arm just, it just doesn't look good right now. Three interceptions thrown in the game and the Bills on top of that, that front seven, eight, eight with seven sacks. So, uh, Kendrick, I'll start with you. I'll ask you this. Is this game more indicative of how good the Bills are or are we seeing perhaps the Rams suffer from that dreaded Super Bowl hangover? 
Um, I'm going to be honest. It's uh, I wouldn't say he's the hangover to Super Bowl. I think honestly that Matt Stafford's elbow injury is like much more severe than people really understand. If they don't follow baseball, then like people who get that injury and like need Tommy John surgery is like that's like season ending. And the fact that he's like trying to do all this preparation and thing not to miss the season, but. I mean, at the end of the day, if his arm's not really right, then he's only hurting the team and himself in the long run. So hopefully it can get better. Like, there's still a possibility and upside for him to get better and, like, it improve. But if it doesn't, then it's going to ruin their season and ruin their, like, you know, from going forward. And for the Bills, honestly, this was a showing out party that, you know, Josh Allen's definitely going to try and make his case for win MVP and show why he's, like, I'm one of those top, like, I'm, I'm top three quarterback in the league. And he has the offense to do it. He has the weapons to do it and everything. But I still don't think they will get to the Super Bowl. I just, honestly, that running game is just not something I trust in the overall, like, in the overall longevity of the season. I just don't trust it. I haven't seen enough trust. I haven't seen enough value in it where I could be like, all right, you know, I can see Bills being highly favorable. So, yes, it's still, it's a great showing. But overall, they'll have a great season. Make a deep playoff run, but I don't know if they're Super Bowl contenders yet. We'll have to see how far while the season's going on. Maybe by like week, I'd say by like week six or seven, we should know whether the Bills are Bills are serious or not. Well, outside of the Chiefs and the AFC, I, I don't really see many teams that can go toe to toe with that Bills offense and that defensive front. I mean, Chris, how do you feel? I mean, while I, I, I kind of agree with Kendrick that even though it was a great first showing for the Bills, I think I still need to see more of it. Cause again, it was the first, it was the first week of the season. So a lot of, so a lot of the games that we saw, I mean, you're going to see some good, some bad, but teams get off to slow starts, teams get off to fast starts. I think what really, what I, what I really found out about the game is just the, it's just how badly the Rams missed both Bob Miller and Andrew Whitworth. Um, just how big, he, how, just how big of components they were during the Super Bowl run last year, both as leaders, veteran leaders, and just as talent, talented players on the team. Um, you saw once Whitworth, once Whitworth retired, you just look at his offensive line now, it looks horrible. It looks really bad. I mean, almost every time Matthew Stafford was in shotgun formation, he'd only have two seconds to give her the ball because somebody from the Bills from four is coming. And I mean, they didn't, and they blitzed a good amount of times, but there was more so just them rushing four and they were still getting back there with ease. And my thing, what else it points out when it comes to Von Miller is now that Aaron Donald was really good for probably just the first quarter of the game. And then because they don't have another legit pass rusher, they were able to focus on Aaron Donald. Leonard Floyd was completely quiet that night. Um, Bobby Wagner's not really a blitzing guy. And I mean, he did okay, but. He's not known to for as that as an edge rusher. Von Miller was that other edge rusher that if you wanted to focus on Aaron Donald, want to double block him, you had to sink put you can only uh, have one person block Von Miller, and that's that's a recipe for disaster. So it's just we see how badly the Rams miss those key players. And I'll be honest, I don't want to say this, but Jalen Ramsey looked terrible. He looked absolutely horrible. And for somebody who I consider to be one of the top three lockdown corners in the game, he did not. Put, Team did not do that against one of the elite receivers of the game with Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs looked like he was trying to become Offensive Player of the Week or something. That's or not of the week of the year. That's what he looked like, and I think he's on a mission this year. Him talk, him always talking smack after every big play he made. 
I think he's on a mission this year to try to be the receiving leader. But I think we more learn more just how bad the Rams the Rams miss those key components. Hold on though. But Whoa. Chris Oh, sorry, real quick. Go um, ahead, go ahead. Jalen Ramsey did come out, I think, or like during the week, he did come out and he did talk about the defensive scheme though. So he okay. did say, he was talking about he didn't like the scheme and what they were doing because I don't know it didn't look like they he was like really in, like all those times he was getting beat it really wasn't looking like that many times it was man to man on the times that he did and did not get beat like some of them looked like they were zone coverages and the coverages that they were doing it looked like he was doing his part but other people weren't helping out and following along like doing their job and reading the right coverage and doing the right read so I don't feel like I feel like. Some of them, like, I don't, I won't give all of them his fault, but like, I would say, like, it's like more the defensive scheme and a little less Jalen, in my, in my opinion, when I was watching the game. Greg, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, no. Um, I feel like, um, I feel like the Rams just gotta need a run game. If there was ever a need to have a run game, I think this is the year for the Rams. I mean, they threw the ball a lot, and they did rely on Daryl Henderson last year. But, like, there needs to be some more involvement from Cam Akers. I don't really know what's been going on with the media. Only three rushing attempts. Only three rushing attempts. Um, The back and forth, like, you know, like the coach is saying that, like, he needs to maximize his opportunities. Three carries. I don't know how he maximized those unless he's – like what you want him to go for an 80 yarder every time he touches the ball. Um, but I think they need to kind of establish the run. But I think the bigger issue that's going to cause them problems and talked about a little bit before was just their, their front, their, uh, uh, offensive line is not good. I mean, they're the part of the reason why Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers could get nothing going on the ground was just because their offensive line couldn't hold up. Jared, I mean, Jared Goff, uh, Matt Stafford is not a mobile quarterback. So, like, once you get pressure on him, you know, like, it's it's not good. It, 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 I mean, there, there's really nothing. The, 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 the play is pretty much dead. Um, I need some more involvement from Robinson as well, the wide receiver. I don't know what's going on with Matt Stafford and Rob and Allen Robinson, but there needs to be more. They, I think he needs to spend time targeting Allen Robinson to build that rapport. Because while like Cooper Cup has shown that he can win you games and even win you a championship, I mean that was. The, I mean, the league is there's game tape on him now, so they see what he can do. So it's not like he's not gonna get his, but like he's not going to be the. He's not. He can't just win the game for you alone just by targeting him. So like while his stats were good, clearly the team, the offense didn't have any flow to it. So if if Matt Stafford really does have that elbow injury, I think they need to pray and call Andrew Whitworth. Every single day until the brother picks up and comes out of retirement because they need him to shore up that offensive line. Did, you, did to, you see him at the at the Super at the Super Bowl last year with his family playing in the confetti? That's I, I that mean man I know is not coming out of retirement. I mean that's what we said. Of, I mean listen man, I hate to say this, I hate to say it, but Tom Brady, Tom Brady was playing in confetti. With his family, I don't even know that's true right now. I'm just going. I'm just going to say. Well, he, he finished. He, well, he was bounced out by the Rams last year. He went out on the L. So I, I know, but he right. retired and he came back. So I'm just saying, like, if I'm the Rams, I would try to call Andrew Whitworth because they need some offensive line help. 
and he always he he's able to shore it up. Uh, at least for this let next season until they figure out a succession plan. They need to figure out what's going on with Cam Akers. I need Allen Robinson to get the ball. And then on defense, honestly, I'm not concerned on, about the Rams defense at all. Specifically because I feel like, let's be real, like they're they wouldn't have to play the Bills again until the Super Bowl. Like there, I, I don't think there's anybody like Josh Allen in the NFC East in terms of size, playmaking ability, and everything else. Like Josh what about Allen, the rest of the NFC? No, I mean, it, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, while the NFC presents challenges, like, we also have to put, put into uh, perspective that Josh Allen is such a unique talent that, like, he's a one-man show that, like, could make any defense look foolish for. So it's like, is it like, yes, it is Rams defense and he needs to get more in sync. But I also, I, I, while it is like the Rams need to get on sync on, on from a defensive front, I think it's more Josh Allen being that guy, being that guy, bro. Josh Allen, the throws Josh Allen will make it, it was like, <laughs> like it was crazy. And you would like break out of tackles. The brother is like, the brother's built like a linebacker. So he's breaking tackles. There's just nobody else in the NFC. Let's not forget that stiff arm either. Exactly. Baptized man. There's nobody else like Josh Allen in the league. So it's like, while I am concerned about the Rams defense, I guess what they're able to do is like, who else could really do what Josh Allen did in the NFC East? So I need to see how the Rams stack up against the other teams. But like this week against the Falcons, what? They about to, what? Stop. (laughs) It's about to be that. And then after that, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think the Rams definitely bounce back. But uh, before we move on, the Bills, their next five games, home against the Titans on Monday Night Football. Then they're at the Dolphins, at the Ravens, home against the Steelers, at the Chiefs, and then home against the Packers. Those are their next six games. So when do the Bills lose their first game? And Kendrick and Chris, you can guys, you guys can uh, chime in. When do they lose their first game? Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost their first game this week against the Titans. And I'm only doing that based off of what I saw last year. And I know it's a different Titans team without A.J. Brown. But they still do have Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry was pretty much going, running through that through that entire Bills defense last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. You think they're playing with Avengers because of what happened on Sunday? Um, How they went out? How, the Titans how Derrick too. Henry went out? No. Yeah. Let me tell you something right now. No. I don't think the Titans are going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be close. And I don't think, and I think the Derrick Henry that we know and love, while he's going to have the moments, the brother's 28 years old. And we need to realize that, like, now everyone knows it's just Derrick Henry. Who was the route receiver that was getting most love from the Tennessee Titans last week? It was Darren Hillier, or whatever the brother's name was. Uh, the Hillier, the, I know the brother's the last name. You think Hillier is going to be the brother that's going, is going to be the, the savior for the wide receiver group? Be against nice, that Bills defense? Nice. Against that Bills defense? I'm just saying, brother. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how we have optimism on the Titans. The Titans just showed me that without A.J. Brown, it's all Derrick Henry, so they can stack the box on Derrick Henry. And then Traylon Burks step, can Traylon Burks step up? Yeah, brother. You might want to get off me. I don't. I don't. Think you, you don't like my answer. God bless them. 
Personally, I'm looking at it like this. Those games you said, they got to – one, the, listen, you got to deal with the Dolphins' offense. Listen, the Titans – I feel like the Bills going to beat the Titans. I do have that. Um, honestly, Ravens, Steelers, and Chiefs are going to be the real challenges. I mean, the Dolphins offensively, but, like, do the Dolphins really have a good enough defense to really try and slow that down, though? Like, personally, they do have some good cornerbacks. Like, I do say that, but I still think – I think the Bills win the next two games, and I think it really starts to get rough when they start playing the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Chiefs, just because, you know, the Steelers' defense is good. That's a that's a good defense. I mean, yeah, they just lost T.J. Watt for maybe six weeks, maybe the season. He's not going to get surgery on his pec, but who knows how that's going to turn out. But they're, like, you got to look at the defensive side and stopping that offense. And, like, Ravens have a great defense. Steelers have a great defense. The Chiefs have a great offense, so they can – so it's like – with the Chiefs, it's like you have to try and outscore them. And then with the Ravens and Steelers, you got to try and beat that defense. So I feel like those, those like in those games, I feel like those are going to be the three hardest challenges on how they match up against the defenses. So I'll probably say it'll probably get a little shaky after the Dolphins game. All right. Well, since you brought up the Chiefs, I love that you brought them up because they're up next. They played the Cardinals in Arizona last week. Pat Mahomes, listen, it, it doesn't matter who you put out on the field with him. It really doesn't. You can put plumbers out there. You can put Walmart cashiers out there. You can put barbers out there. It don't matter. Through five touchdowns, one to Travis Kelsey, two to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, one to uh, McCole Hartman, and uh, the who player of the week, Jody Forson, he, uh, he even picked up uh, a receiving touchdown. So, Pat Mahomes, just doing Pat Mahomes things. Kyler Murray, on the other hand, he had a pretty pedestrian day, 22 with 34 passing, 193 yards, two touchdowns, and a pretty low rating of 52.9. So my question to you guys, Greg, I'm going to start with you. Are the Chiefs still the team to beat in the AFC West? To be the best, you got to beat the best. And all I know is that every single year for the past five years, all I've seen the Chiefs do is win. Sorry, it's the past five years? Past four years. All I've seen the Chiefs do is win. They continue to win, and until somebody dethrones them and somebody else can win the division, it's always going to come out the Chiefs. I'm I'm always going to ride with the Chiefs until, until I see otherwise. Like last year was the closest thing we saw to the Chiefs not being uh, like not being the cl- like the the super top team, and uh, all they did was finish twelve and five, and I think they finished with the number one seed in the in in the AFC. So, on what did it? Was that true? Uh, no, 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 no. They finished with the uh the with the number two seed, I think. But um, last season, yeah, last season, yeah, last season yeah, they finished number two. two, yeah, to the Titans. Uh, but. I would just say nah. I I would just say like it's it's going to be the Chiefs until someone proves me otherwise. Because the Raiders, I mean I'm high on the Raiders this season, but you know what I'm saying like they don't have a great record against the Chiefs. The 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 Chargers always feel like they're on the they're they're the bridesmaid, never the bride. And the Broncos, you know what I'm saying like couldn't even win in Seattle. So like I need I'm trying to figure out what's up with them. So until the Chiefs, until someone can dethrone the Chiefs. Like dethrone them as that and win take the AF, win the AFC West. I'm not really trying to hear none of that for real. 
All right, Kendrick, how how you feel about that, man? Chris, I want to save you for last because you know the Raiders fan. I want to save you for last, but Kendrick, how do you feel about the Chiefs? I mean, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. It's nothing new. I mean, honestly, like I have high hopes that maybe you know, hopefully, one of these teams dethrone them. Like you know, I'm I'm, I'm like I'm looking at the Raiders. I'm looking at the the Chiefs. Honestly, you got to respect the Chargers in the beginning of the season. I mean, you got to see how they are in the, by the end of the season. But right now, they're looking good. I'm just saying, but, like, I feel like these past years before this season, the Chiefs, the, I mean, the Chiefs had it easy. They was, you know, they was, they was taking their time walking through the, walking through the division. But now, Russell Wilson there, I feel like the Chargers got better defensively. Raiders picked up Devontae and a great, and, um, and, uh, that D lineman as well. I forget his name, but, Taylor Jones, come on now. Thank you, thank you. I thank you, thank you. I was just struggling. Appreciate that, Chris. Um, <laughs> uh, I just feel like this is a season where we probably we possibly could see the Chiefs get dethroned. This is a great season. I mean, yeah, the Broncos had a rough start, and honestly, I mean, hopefully they fix up their problem. But this season is the best time for them to get dethroned. I feel like, but will it happen? My vote is yes. Mm, all right. Go ahead, Chris. So I'm just going to go out and say it. I do think that the Chiefs get dethroned this year. Just, and I mean, I thought so just from the beginning of the year. Just, just how all the AFC West teams just improved in their respective categories. I knew it was going to be more of a dog fight. And even though I don't want to see it happen, I do feel like the Chargers might win the division. And that's only just because, again, I'm just going off of the strength of what they had on the defensive end because they really, Filled every hole that they had to fill. So, they, I mean, you know, and like we go to last week when they played the Raiders, even though they did win, you saw like what the defense can do. You saw how Derek Carr was pressured a lot. He was making a lot of bad decisions with the ball, which is why he do, threw three picks. He got sacked three times by Khalil Mack. So you saw what the defense can do. But also at the same time, you got to remember the Raiders deep, the Raiders offensive line is still pretty bad right now. I mean, we, we outside of, Colton Miller, who's decent at best, we really don't have any true pass, um, true run blocker, pass protector on that line. So they kind of got an easy first week win. Plus it's a division game. That's always going to be like that. But I just think, again, even though with the Broncos losing to the Seahawks and everything, I just feel like it's too much of a fight that the Chiefs have not been through that they got to go through just to get to the playoffs, just to win on the AFC West, then just to try to beat all the teams in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl. I feel like it's just going to be a lot in. Even though it doesn't seem like they missed Tariq Hill right now, I think it's going to show later on in the year. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to win again. I think it's, the, I think it's time for them to get dethroned. Who goes on dethroning them? Again, I think it's going to be the Chargers. You know, I'm thinking Chargers maybe first place, Chiefs second, Raiders third. They all make the playoffs and the Broncos finish fourth. I feel like that's the trajectory. Where things are gonna go, but um, on the other side, I mean, the Chiefs, you know, they won the game. Who lost? Forty four twenty three. Cardinals. They went out pretty sad on Sunday. I talked about this in in past episodes in our prediction episodes where I talked about Cliff Kingsbury and you know where he stands as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Does he even make it to the end of this season? That's for anyone. Shoot, that contract, he'd be better make the tail of the season. I mean, I don't think he earned it, but 
I said that last last week. I don't think he earned the contract, but with the with the extension, he better make it to the end of this year. I but mean, we saw, next week they're at your Raiders, and then they're home against the Rams. They get a little bit of a break with the Panthers, and then they're home against the Eagles and at the Seahawks. So it's, it's a pretty busy schedule. It is a pretty busy schedule. I think they're going to lose against the Raiders, too, come Sunday. But that's besides the point. I think what we saw from them is, well, we already knew how badly the, how bad the offense is when they don't have um, DeAndre Hopkins. We just know that that's Kyler Murray's favorite target. What we didn't know is how bad they are without Chandler Jones. I did not know the defense was that was just that terrible without an elite pass rusher. I mean, remember, they signed J.J. Watt to that two-year contract a couple seasons seasons ago, but you see where Chase already took a toll on his body, so we don't even know when he plays. And when he does play, he's not the same impact player. So now you really don't have anybody that can get to the quarterback. While you do have Buda Baker and Byron Murphy in your secondary, they got picked apart by Patrick Mahomes. And again, maybe that's just due to Patrick Mahomes having all day in the pocket to do whatever he wanted to do because there was no pressure. But I think that the Cardinals, they, they don't have a defense right now. They don't have a defensive identity. I think that's what they missed to Chandler Jones. And I don't know how Colin Murray's going to do without DeAndre Hawkins in the first couple games. Like you said with their schedules, they're playing a lot of teams that have a lot of really good offenses. Whether the defenses are good or not, that's the question that remains. But a lot of very talented offenses. So if you can't get pressure on the quarterback or you can't stop the pass against a team like the Raiders with a pole receiving core, how are you going to how are you going to do anything? And without, and without DeAndre Hawkins, you can't match up for points. So I think – I think the Cardinals are in a world of trouble. And I mean, I think this is going to really, this year is going to really see how Cliff Kingsbury is as a coach. Cause even, even if they struggle this year, we got he needs to have a bounce back here next year if they are going to struggle. I think they are this year. Cause again, after looking look what they did against the Chiefs, I, I don't have any hope for them to get any better until Hopkins comes back. And when he comes back in week six, that might already be too late for them. Cause you know, they always have a second half, a second half slump. Absolutely, and all five of those games I listed will be, they will be without D-Hop, so it means to be seen, but Cliff, it's getting, that seat is getting a little hot, but we're going to move on to the other contestant in last year's Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. Man, alright, this this is the just the crazy game of the week. The Steelers won in an upset on the road in overtime, 23-20. to Mickey Fitzpatrick, he blocked the extra point, which at the end of regulation, off of a Jamar Chase touchdown, as time expired, Mickey Fitzpatrick would block the ensuing extra point, which would have won the game for the Bengals. And then in overtime, the kicker, Zach McPherson, missed a 29-yard tip shot because the laces were showing. It just You don't do that. You don't show the laces. Boswell for the Steelers would go on. He would miss the 54-yarder. And then after a Bengals punt, the Steelers got the ball back with a minute left in overtime. And then he would make up for the 54-yard miss and make a 53-yarder. Also, T.J. Watt, as uh, I believe Kendrick mentioned earlier, he got hurt. But um, I'm hearing he's supposed to be back in around late October. You know, for the Steelers, you hope he comes back late October or comes back at all. But um, even without T.J. Watt, especially with T.J. Watt in this lineup, just how legit is this Pittsburgh defense? Greg, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, they're dangerous, but I think they're not as dangerous without T.J. Watt. I mean, you saw that the Bengals were able to start, really when the Bengals started, were able to start moving the ball, 
they started moving the ball with more efficiency once TJ Watt got hurt. Um, so, I mean, I trust in, um, Tomlin to like coach a really strong defense, but I think that they're going to be hurting and I don't necessarily know the, um, like they, I mean, the Steelers got a break, like they're playing the Patriots this week. So like, that's a winnable game. Like the Patriots always have like a low key offense. They run the ball. Um, they don't have that great of a passing attack. So like, you know, they, they'll, they'll be able to get by, uh, they'll be able to get by on that, but you know, eventually, and then they played the Jets. Um, I think their next six games are like the Patriots, the Browns, the Jets, the Bills, the Buccaneers, and the Dolphins. They can beat the Patriots. They can beat the Browns. I mean, they're playing Jacoby Brissett. They can beat the Jets. But then after that, you know, it starts to get a bit murky because they start playing really good offenses like the Bills, the Buccaneers, the, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Saints, and the Bengals. So, you know, hopefully TJ White uh, gets back by then, but there, uh, gets back, uh, in six weeks, like the estimated time frame. but, uh, they realistically could be five, you know, five and, and, uh, five and one, or they could just as much be three and three or, um, you know, stuff like that. So I think they're form long story short, they're formidable. You got Manko Fitzpatrick, who was the player of the week. He's playing out of his mind right now. And that Steelers defense is nothing to play with. Uh, it's just at some point, it's, it's really, I think it's less about what the Steelers defense can do and it's what can the, the, the Steelers offense to generate to take some pressure off the Steelers defense because there's going to be moments, especially when they're playing high, high octane offenses that the Steelers defense can only do so much. And, you know, Mitchell Petrubisi in that offense is going to have to be able to do something to kind of weather the storm. So we'll see. Well, Najee okay. Harris, he also suffered an injury, uh, toe injury, but he should be good to go for week two. Uh, Kendrick, how do you feel about this Steelers offense? The offense, I mean, the offense was always going to be a question mark throughout the entire season. If Mitch Trubisky can actually just do the bare minimum and help them, like, you know, score a couple points and have their defense hold a lead, then I feel like they'll be okay. Um, I didn't really like the fact that Greg was playing off the Browns so easily, like, they don't have a, a very high power defense. I just, I felt like that was a little wild to say that the Steelers are going to just easily beat them. Um, their defense is just as, just as good. Could be like a top mm-hmm. 10 defense in this, in this league, honestly. Um, but overall, yeah, the defense is going to struggle. The Steelers defense is going to struggle dealing with, uh, losing TJ Watt, but hopefully they can, you know, hopefully it doesn't deter them so much that it, it causes them to really spiral. But, um, it's going to probably, it's probably, their offense is really going to have to step up and people, and, and like people got to step up to replace TJ Watt. It has to be a full effort and not just from Minka. Cause he was that back end that had support, but he can't be the front end back end, you know? So somebody needs to step up on the front end and help out in that front seven and be like, all right, I'm going to be that guy who's going to step up while TJ's out. So they need somebody to do that. And then for the Bengals, honestly, it was a bad week. Called him at a bad time. Got him on a bad day. They're going to turn it around, and they're going to show why that they made it to the Super Bowl and why Joe Barrow is Joe Barrow and why everything's going to even itself out. Because, you know, I feel like, a per- and also personally, I also think, you know, division games are always going to be tough. It's always going to be, you know, tooth and nail. They're going to fight claw no matter what. 
And especially when, you know, it's Bengals and Steelers, that's that's beef that's like go way back. So honestly, all division games are gonna to be tough. It's just like I feel like they'll bounce back and they'll have they'll they'll recover from this very easily. Well, Chris, I mean, do you think the Bengals can right the ship? That that second half did look very promising, and again, it's a game that they should have won. There's multiple occasions where they should have won, both in the regulation and in overtime. Did they get back on track with the Cowboys, Jets, and Dolphins coming up? Yeah, I think they do. I think the Cowboys, Jets, and Dolphins with those games, we're going to see their offense come back to form. I just think it was just a sluggish week one. That's all it was. I mean, we saw Joe Burrow throw have four picks we don't normally see that that's all I mean I hope that um T Higgins will be able to be back to play for week two because I know he was in concussion protocols but I mean it was just a sluggish first half and again like Kendrick said when you go when you're in a division like AFC North basically every divisional game is a rivalry game with them and everyone's all out war we know how we know the bad blood that the Steelers and Bengals have so each game is personal so just because the Bengals look very sloppy in that game doesn't mean that they're the inferior team. We all knew that Pittsburgh had a has or has a stellar defense, even though they don't have TJ Watt right now. We all know the defense is is top ten probably in the NFL. It's just the fact that, you know, they never really had an offense to just go with their defense. But I think for the Bengals, I think they're perfectly fine in the situation they're in. It was just a bad week one. Pro- I feel like they'll bounce back within the upcoming weeks. Well, week one is you know, not the most ideal time to have a bad week, but it is the beginning of the season. It's a very long season, so we shall see. But we're going to move over to the NFC. <sighs> we're going to talk about the Eagles. Um, 38-35, they did get the win. But, man, you know, after a few sleeps, you know, I've kind of just calmed down and I've just, just accepted the win. But, you know, Sunday, I've never been so mad after a win in my life. But, you know, it was, it was a wild game. It was a very, you know, offensive, you know, dominated game. Four different Eagles rushed for touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, he had a pretty solid day, 243 passing yards, 90 rushing yards in the touchdown. A.J. Brown, worth all the pennies, all the money, 10 catches with 155 yards, proving why Howie made just a huge splash on draft night. And, you know, you got to give some love to DeAndre Swift, too, the Philly native, 15 carries, 144 yards. He absolutely shredded the Eagles' front seven. So that's where I'll lead into this next question. Can Jonathan Gannon tighten up his run defense? What the heck even happened on Sunday? Where was Jordan Davis for half the game? Kendrick, I'll, I'll start with you, man. What 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 happened? Man, honestly, can we trade Jonathan Gannon? Like, can we can we please do that? And can we actually get a better defensive coordinator? Like, it's just I don't understand how you don't have like how you have they gave you you drafted Jordan Davis. You have Nicobe Dean. We have James Bradbury. We have Darius Slay. Treated up for Jordan Davis, too. We have the things. It's honestly, at this point, I don't even think it's the defensive players that we have anymore. It's Jonathan Gannon because he's he's not doing something. He's like, he's not putting in plays where our best players can succeed. Like, for a fact, this is even a fact. When Jordan Davis was off the field, you know how many yards 
the Lions averaged? They averaged 10 yards. They averaged a first down carrying the ball every time he was off the field, basically. But when he was on the field, 2.7 yards. Hmm. If they're not running the ball when he's on the field, hey, man, let's give him some more time. I understand that we have uh, Hargreaves and Fletcher Cox, but, bro, you, you got to – you have to just – you gotta feed, you gotta keep, you gotta feed the hot hand. Like, if he's doing that great job stopping the run, you, come on, you gotta see it. Y'all all got tablets on the sidelines. You can see that. But if you're not going, if you're not going to put in plays and put players in positions to make plays, then that's just, you're holding back, you're holding back the defense and you're holding back the team. So, he needs to become better at his job and making the, and picking the right calls and, and putting together a better scheme with the players that we have. Just so we can succeed. Because if he doesn't do that, then honestly, this is going to be a wasted season. And it's not even going to be nobody's fault but his if he doesn't step up with the defense. I mean, offensively, there's some things that got to be adjusted. Like, you know, Devontae Smith not having a catch? Come on. That's ridiculous. Like, I feel like A.J. Brown's there now. So why is he not turning up? You know, Quez Watkins, I don't even think he had a catch either. Like, you know, he's our vertical threat to clear out the field. Like, I understand. To be fair, to be fair, AJ, look, they just couldn't cover the man. Also They true. just couldn't cover him. It, like, and the run game was very, was very um, influenced. There was, a, there was a lot of runs in that game. So, I mean, I feel like Devontae's going to get his. And Jalen even told him after the game, like, bro, you know, we got the dub. Cool, but you gonna get yours. Like, don't worry. So, I mean, I I know Eagles fans are panicking about that, but y'all gotta relax. No, I'm not panicking, but I just gotta. It just like this can't be like a norm where you know it can't be a norm. We gotta get him the ball, and I'm not. I'm never gonna worry about running the ball because I mean we led the league last year in running when we actually started running the ball, and that's how we made it to the playoffs. And I and like they're gonna continue that um philosophy and everything, and that's cool. I love that. It's just we gotta make sure all we gotta we gotta make sure we're utilizing all our weapons and not trying to put all our eggs in one basket, you know? Distribute the wealth. So offensively, I see us picking up and doing great and being well, just making sure we distribute and actually, you know, use all the assets and not be so heavily honed in on one thing all the time. Just make sure we're distributing and make sure we're feeding the hot hand and just doing that right. And defensively, Gannon gotta step up. He has to step up and start actually putting together a great scheme. The Eagles led seven they led by seventeen points at two different points in that game. Two different times they led by seventeen points and they blew both of those leads. Just insane. And next week it won't get any easier because they're I mean they're at home. It's a home opener, but we're talking about a Vikings offense now that, you know, they put in some work against the Packers, and they they beat the Packers pretty handily. Um, Chris, Dalvin Cook, we know he's a top five running back in the league. Is he going to continue to just continue just the embarrassment of the Eagles front seven? I mean, this is going to be the true test of this Eagles defense because not only do you have to deal with, again, like you said, doing a top five rusher, Dalvin Cook, you got to deal with the leading, the lead, receiving yards leader as of right now, Justin Jefferson. And I mean, yes, this secondary last game, um, they did pretty well. They had a pick six from James Bradbury. They made, they played defense for the good portion of the game, but through the later part of that second half, later part of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, you see that 
um, Jared Goff is kind of picking them off. Now, again, that helps when you have when they had the rushing attack that they had with Swift and Jamal Williams. So, um, hopefully, again, like your defensive coordinator Jonathan Gann, hopefully he can get a get the system together so that way the front seven doesn't look that pitiful against the runner they did when Jordan Davis is now on the field. And I mean, you already know the Eagles can run the ball, but you're gonna have to. But again, you already know you gotta deal with the offense. You got you gotta make sure Devontae Smith gets touches, even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't like catch the pass, you gotta make sure you can throw him some looks. You can't just look at him three times in the game and just keep going to AJ Brown. No, regardless of how talented AJ Brown is, you always gotta feed your receivers. You have to, because sooner or later that's gonna boil up when they're not getting the ball and they're open, or even when they're not being looked at. So I mean, that's, that's what to figure out. But I, I feel saying, like I think how many times. I'm just saying, I feel like for one week, I feel like that's not a problem. If it, if it were to continue Monday and then, you know, at Washington, like, and he's still not getting touches, then, all right, that's a problem. I feel like he's going to get his on Monday. No, no, I mean, he should. Again, because again, when you're playing the Vikings defense, the defense is, eh. I mean, we saw what it did against the Packers, but the Packers are dealing with issues right now with their offensive line, so. We're gonna so again. It's a test for the Vikings defense. Now they have to play a good Eagles, a good Eagles offense, and it's a test for the Eagles defense. They have to play a good Vikings offense. So a good test for both for both defenses. But I mean, it should be an entertaining game. I'm hoping it is just because I know that the Vikings can put up points with that offense because it's so electrifying. But again, this is gonna be a true test to see what Eagles are defensively. It smells like a shootout to me. It's look. I'm a bed man, y'all. Y'all know me. I'm a bed man. I'm a degenerate man. I'm, I'm, I'm taking over. I'm just putting that out there, taking it over. Uh, Greg, I'm gonna ask you before you move on. Who wins on Monday between the Eagles and the Vikings, and why? Listen, I'm trying to. I'm trying to say this in the uh, in a, the the most like well said way that I can. You know what? Forget it, man. Fly, Eagles, fly. Ca-caw, ca-caw. <laughs> we win it. It's, it's, it's simple. It's, listen, man, like when I think about the Eagles, and I understand, uh, when you come into this game, Justin Jefferson is looking for blood because everyone knows, and we forget, we forget that there was an Eagles wide receiver that was that was well. There was a former Eagles wide receiver that just went to the uh to the Vikings too. Um, and I'm hearing and he's correct, he wants revenge or something. I'm, yeah. I'm I was seeing things on Twitter about revenge. I don't sad. know what you need revenge for, but Twitter fingers whatever. turning trigger fingers. And all I'm saying, if is, anything, we need to be getting revenge on him for wasting our time. But exactly. Um, I so. I'm saying, and I'm not saying this isn't going to be like a blowout or anything like that. Of course not. It's going to be a competitive game. It's in Philadelphia, you know, city of brotherly love, sisterly affection. But at the end of the day, I got the Eagles winning because I think the I think the Eagles defense is going to put up a better performance than, than what we saw against the Lions. I think that was a wake up call that we need to get our stuff together. And I so I think we're gonna we're gonna struggle. I think if if Justin, I think it, it could be something similar where it's like Justin Jefferson gets his, but the Vikings still lose the game. 
And I think that they're not going to be able to stop that, that running, it's the running attack of the Eagles. Um, and that's going to cause a lot of issues. Um, at the end of the day, like while the Vikings did get that W last week against the, the, the Packers, there were moments where they could have been had Chris, uh, Christian Watson dropped that, uh, that, that touchdown pass that, um, that, um, Aaron Rodgers threw him. Uh, they had that defensive stop. Egregious drop. Yeah, they had that defensive stop. Um, at like at the Vikings one yard line, the defense did. Uh, when they when they kept them out of the end zone, so there's opportunities to be had. And when you have a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts, you're I'm not really concerned when you get into inside the five yard line of the red zone because he's always had is he's always a threat to run himself. So with the, all that taken into consideration, and it's in Philadelphia. Justin Jefferson going to get his, but the Eagles going to win his game. Listen, you heard it here first, Greg. Come Eagles on, victory. I, fly, I'm, Eagles, I'm fly. I'm not going to pick a winner, but I am picking it over. I feel like it's going to be a 31-27 type of a game. Really close. Whoever gets the ball last, they score, you know, and they win it. But um, finally, we're going to move on to our final game of week one, Monday Night Football. What in the world was that final minute? I'm just flabbergasted. I'm still, I'm still flabbergasted by that. I'm, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on with, uh, with Nathaniel Hackett. Chris, can you, can you just, can you try to help me out here, man? What ha- what was that? Be I nice. One, I'm so sorry. Probably one of the worst coaching debuts I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that was nice. Was that a nice way of saying it, Kendrick? It's it's just we we literally saw the same thing happen to Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl. Well, let me scratch that. Well, let me scratch that. I'll, I'll switch it up a little bit. We literally saw the same thing that Russell Wilson was talking about that he didn't like about Seattle. He didn't like the fact that he couldn't get to call the shots, which is why he wanted to go to Denver because he knew over there he was going to be able to call the shots. He was going to be able to make the audibles and audibles and changes that he wanted to make. He wanted to have that kind of offensive control. Because a quarterback of his caliber should have that. But we saw a coach that, again, is, was very bad with the time management. How, first of all, before we even get to the time management part, the fact that they had, what, three possessions in the red zone and didn't score any of them, that's something that needs to be I believe they ran 11 plays inside the 10-yard line. Score, and they did not score a right, and, single touchdown. Right, so we gotta look at that first. So that you can put that for the reason one. But then on the last drive, when you're down by when what was what was it? When you're down by one point when it was sixteen seventeen. All yes, all you had to do is get in a field goal range or score a touchdown. You have Russell Wilson, you have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, you have Dejon ah, I remember just says say his name right. Javante Williams, Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon. Yeah, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. You have you have all the players you need to do that. You have everything you need to do this. So why does it take you a minute, first of all, to go eight yards? And then not only that, you have three timeouts. Why not use them if you need a timeout? It's just insane to me that it took that they decided to waste 30 seconds of a clock when they just got inside the Seahawks territory, but still like the 45 or 46. So still very, not really in field goal range yet, but close, close there. It's the fact that they decided to let just 30 seconds run the clock when they had 50 seconds left to get a good 15 yards. And then it, it looked like they were trying to do a hard count or something, trying to get a penalty. Like the Seahawks were going to fall for that. Does, 
and I, I'll give credit where credit is due with the Seahawks. It, it was definitely just because of the emotions. They came out ready to play. Geno Smith, even though he really didn't do anything in the second half of the game, he had a very, he had a very good first half. And he did, he did just enough to beat, to beat the Broncos, which was shocking in itself. So they definitely play off the emotion and they definitely earned that victory. But it's just the fact that I feel like even though the Seahawks won and they deserved that win, the Broncos just let it get away from them when they didn't have to. Again, Nathaniel Hackett, if three timeouts and you don't use any of them until it's 20 seconds left. And then all of a sudden decide to try to kick a 64 yarder with a kicker who hasn't made, whose longest kick ever is a 62 yard. So now you're asking him to do something he's never done. I, I gotta, I gotta shout out Brandon McManus. You know, he is a Temple guy, you know, Temple mate, you know, from Philly. And he has the leg and he almost hit it. Like, it had the leg, but it, you know, it just shanked it a little bit. He, he did shank it a little bit, but again, I don't, I don't think that's his fault. Cause again, if, no. cause again, when it's a minute left, I'm expecting you to get, to get like another 20 something yards. So I'm expecting to kick a 40 yard field goal. I'm not expecting 20 seconds to run the clock. And then all of a sudden, yes, I mean, run out of the field to kick the 64-yarder. And then what really didn't make any sense was after they decided to kick that 64-yarder and they knew the game was over, Nathaniel Hackett decided to call his other two timeouts. And then just all of a sudden thought that he had three timeouts remaining. We know he used one five minutes ago. So I think that it was just a lot of bonehead decisions made from Nathaniel Hackett. Again, he took the ball to Russell Wilson's hands, which makes no sense to me because he gave that man to almost $250 million mm-hmm. for a reason. So the fact that you just get said you pay him this much money and you don't let him try to showcase why he deserved that money, it's just mind boggling. But I mean again, plus that, all, the, all the prime real estate they traded too. Exactly. On top of the money. So exactly. So again, it is yeah. week one. So we can we can say it was just a very a, it was a sluggish performance from the Broncos. I do think they will come back. But I think it was just it but it was a bad debut for everybody involved. And then on top of that, why did it seem like Jerry Judy's name really wasn't mentioned or Corlison's name wasn't mentioned? How come they really didn't get any looks? Like, they no might. doubt that – I mean, Jerry, Jerry Judy scored a touchdown, but how many targets did he get? What, maybe maybe five? His name, he really wasn't <laughs> called all about a lot less game. Exactly, for your number one receiver, that's not – five targets? That's not good for your number one receiver, even if you did score. So, again, I mean – they got things to work on, but again, you can just chalk it up as just Seahawks play with motivation because of Russell Wilson's return. I don't have a problem with what the fans, with the fans reaction. I know we're going to get into it later. I don't have a problem with that and I'll explain why, but I just think the Broncos just had a very, a very bad debut, but can they bounce back from it? Definitely. Yeah, that was, the, uh, you know, we know how the night ended with just that, just bizarre clock management, but the night began with those boos and, that just that threw me off, you know. That rubbed me the wrong way. I felt like that that wasn't necessary. I felt like Russ he did all he could with what he had in Seattle. He brought took out the two Super Bowls, won one. We know what happened in Super Bowl Forty Nine. You know whether it's his fault or Pete's fault. You know that's up for debate. But Greg, do you feel like those boos from the Seattle crowd were warranted? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, honestly, um, I mean, I, I the, the, my answer is no. Like, I, I feel like Russell Wilson, at the end of the day, like, I feel like he takes a lot of unnecessary flack. 
like whether it's because stylistically like he's not like the coolest guy in the world like people kind of think he's corny and all that stuff but like i don't know like i felt like that was unwarranted for a brother that gave you like the past decade kept you in playoff contention every single year except for his last season there like was a philanthropist in the area always a, a stand-up guy in the community like people just love to hate on russell and i just never really got it and it's like i get it like towards the end like there were always murmurs like russell wanted to leave and all that stuff but like it's his god-given right to like want to move away from a franchise that clearly like while there was a there was a there was just a certain ceiling that they could reach, and like I, I feel like it was like I feel like for someone to have done that for that many years for you to boo him in his first visit back, it just I don't know it's just not it's it's like it, it doesn't feel fair to me. If you can, you know, like I expected more of a situation where like they would boo him, they would uh, cheer him when he came out, and then boo him throughout the course of the game. You know what I mean? Like, something like that. But for you to boo him all the way through, I think that's just, I don't know, it's weird. And it tells me a lot about Seattle. Yeah, like, even Eagles fans, I mean, we cheered five when he came back. I mean, back. so just to see that happen to Russ. Hold up, insane. hold up, hold up. Yes. Number no, five, no, he was booed at his Ring of Honor ceremony. I'm not hearing Chris? that. No. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. No, he was, I, he I'm was gonna... booed there. Listen. What, he had his what, number retired. He was cheating. The, ma- the main number is the, five will always love that's because, that's because that's because number five started acting real weird once he ended once he ended his time in Philadelphia. Once he ended his his playing career, he started saying all this weird stuff. He started talking all this weird stuff. People don't forget that stuff, Chris. You you, you failed to mention that. But let the let the record show. The Philadelphia fans are some of the most loving, caring fans in the world. And what we saw from Seattle. Was in a a monstrosity. It was unfair. It was unfair. And Russell Wilson deserves better. Let's ride. Let's ride. Yeah, we're not flying to Seattle anymore. Let's ride in Denver. First of all, no matter what sports you go to, if your franchise player just decides to leave, you wouldn't be upset about that. You see that in every major sport. Literally, mm. every major sport. Mm. Tom Brady uh, got Tom Brady. Tom Brady gave the Patriots six Super Bowl rings, and they booed him when he went to Foxborough. Come on now, it just happens. It comes with the territory. When you leave the team that you were on, stuff like that happens. But let's just talk about this because you're right. Russ Wilson did, had the Seahawks in playoff contention the entire year. You didn't mention the fact that he also tried to leave the year prior, before before his last year with the Seahawks. You didn't mention that. Like. Did, did they boo him? Did they boo him when he was when he did when when he didn't get traded when he played the full season the year afterwards? Oh, I right, then did it. Did they were they booing him when he made the playoffs? Oh, I right, then. So if you can, so I'm not trying to hear none of that. All right. At the end of the day, Denver uh, Russell Wilson was the, <laughs> was a stand up figure in the Seattle area for over for over a decade. And let's be real, he was saved. Flack from the fans. He received flack from former players. It's like, yo, bro, like, Russell Wilson, what did Russell Wilson do to y'all? You mad because I'm Russell Wilson? Oh, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just feels like they play a hand. And it's like, oh, yo, bro, like, let him, let him live. Let him watch. Again, when your franchise player leaves, you have the, you have right to feel some type of way. It happens in every sport. When the best player of your team just decides to leave, you don't want that to happen. So what happens, yeah, you're going to feel some type of way. 
Everybody likes loyalty in the league. Now, uh, now the athlete has every right to play whatever they want to play. So I'm not mad that Russell Wilson won to leave Seattle. He should have been left Seattle. I'm not mad at that, but I'm not mad that the fans decided to boo him in his return. LeBron James got booed when he went back to Cleveland. Vince Carter no, got booed when he went back. To- yes, he, he did. LeBron got booed. His first game back in his first game back in Cleveland, he got booed when he went there to Miami. As a member of the Miami Heat, he got booed out the building. He got booed out the building when he was a member of the LA Lakers, and he came back after winning a championship with the Cle- with Cleveland Cavaliers. That's different. Time heals all wounds, Greg. Time heals all wounds. Wilson, Russell Wilson won a championship for the Seattle Seahawks. What? Hey, what did they do? They booed that man like he was a scrub. That's my point. I feel like he shouldn't be booed because, I mean, like, he didn't have much outside of DK. I mean. Tyler Lockett. Hold on. Okay, let's, Tyler Lockett. Like, yeah, let's, let's put some respect right, on Tyler Lockett's name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tyler Lockett. All right. At the end of the day, it was the fact that there was no O-line presence. The man said, I'm tired of getting hit. If y'all was in my same spot, y'all would be tired of getting hit every single time, bro. I'm in my 10th, 11th year. I'm tired of getting sacked. Night. Out of all the plays, out of majority, why am I getting rushed? Why am I getting hit? That on? man looks like Tom and Jerry in the pocket every play. It's just My a man chase. was a matrix. He was trying to bob and weave every single – like, he's tired of it. He said, I'm tired, boss. I'm tired. Please help like me. He's making, he was out there making Madden plays, bro. Like, when you just scramble with the quarterback right. and you just yeah. messing around and y'all, you just chuck yeah. it, like – He's y'all forget, y'all, y'all forget, like, them that, – because y'all keep thinking about, like, let Russ cook, like, 2018 onwards, right? But I'm telling you, between like 2014 to 2017, Russ was literally making magic out of nothing, bro. And like, tired of it. He's tired. Why can't I just sit in the pocket and throw the ball? Why do I have to run every time? He didn't have DK back then. It was exactly. Crazy Harvin and Doug Baldwin. But they don't talk about that. Listen, I'm but they don't talk about. Go ahead, go ahead. But speaking of Doug Listen. Baldwin. Huh. 
Well, maybe go there. I, I just got intervene. I, I got to intervene. Now, again, Kendrick, I agree with a lot of what you said. The CF fans should be more upset at the front office there, Russell Wilson, for what happened and what, and what the outcome was. But at the end of the day, every superstar that, again, I'm going to go back to it. Every superstar that left the team had issues when, when it's time that they left. So as, as a fan base, you want to, you want the star to stay there while they're trying to figure out the problems. You don't want them to leave. As an athlete, you have the right to do what you want to do. So no. I'm not mad that Russell Wilson made that decision that he wants to leave, but I also can't get mad that the fans decided to move him because he left, because they wanted him to stay. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he was wrong. I'm not saying he was wrong. I was actually going to get to that point. But see, that's the whole thing. Some fans don't even go take that deeper dive into it and understand what's really going on. They just look at everything at face value and what they see. So they see him leave. They see him not want to sign back. They see him talking all this mess and what they see in the media. So therefore, that leads to them just being like, oh, this is Russell Wilson. He's the problem. He's the cancer, you know, and that's just how it comes off because that's what people only see. And that's how only in depth they go into. So him getting blue was going to be a natural selection. Honestly, it was natural selection just because of how fans are. Even like fans that, and this goes to all like NBA, NFL, MLB, doesn't matter. A lot of majority of the fans don't go deep. They only go face value. And so that's why they're going to boo Russell Wilson and not boo the organization. So therefore, Russell got to take the brunt of it. But at the end of the day, does he really deserve it? Honestly, no. But is he going to get the slack? Yes. I just think that's weird. And I just think that's weird. But how? I think it's, listen, at, at the end of the day, I'm not trying here. I'm not trying, because I feel like it's, like, that's why I'm saying, like, there's too much emphasis on the player. Whenever the player doesn't make the sacrifice for the team, it's always an issue from the fan base. But whenever the fan base doesn't make the sacrifice for the player, it's, it's mums the word. Because at the end of the day, the, the, the jerseys are going to sell out, the stadiums are going to sell out regardless. And I just don't, I think if there was ever a situation, it's like you said, Chris, with Tom Brady, and I think Russell Wilson, just because we didn't talk about the issue, doesn't mean that, that, that that's fair, too. If Tom Brady should not have gotten booed in, in Foxborough, and Russell Wilson should not have gotten has not gotten booed in Seattle, I think it's ridiculous. I think it undermines whatever with the contribution that the player made to to success of your organization. Bro, the Seattle Seahawks were, were scrubs before Russell Wilson got there. Their biggest claim to fame outside of that one season where they went to the Super Bowl was that Marshawn Lynch won against the Seattle with my, against the, the, the Saints. Mind you, they were a 7-9 and nine team on the year, and they won the NFC West and, and barely made the playoffs. And you go, and the model of consistency comes to your franchise, gives you 10-plus years of playoff success, gives you a Super Bowl, and you get booed? Oh, nah. Come on, son. Disrespect. Ah. Suck this. Never step a foot in Seattle. Deplorable place. It comes with it. Can't do it. It just comes with it. It happens. <laughs> y'all boo Andrew his final year in Philadelphia. It happens. He didn't have right to leave though. Uh, no, that, 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 that's that, not that, that's that not fair. Sad, that's man. not fair. That's not fair. The brother finished four and twelve. But when Andy but well, when Andy Reid came back man, when was... Andy Reid came back the next season when he was a member of the, the, the Chiefs, we we cheered him. Because you know why? Because Philadelphia is a class up. Because Philadelphia is a class time, unlike time Seattle. Andy Reid did a lot. I mean, honestly, sometimes you can't always do it. I feel like, but at the end of the day, people are going to get booed. It's really like not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Just, that's just how they. Yeah, do. I'm saying like, I'm saying like, just uh, when he first comes out, you give him that standing ovation as like a thank you, and then like the rest of the game, then it's like, all right, oh, you're the enemy. 
it's beef on site. You was talking bad about our <laughs> you was talking bad about our organization. You was talking bad about our O line and you left and you ain't wanna stick it out? No, nah, you won't get the disrespect and you won't like it. Let's just call it what it really is. They hate on Russell Wilson because he married to Sierra. There, I said it. There, I said it. All right. There, oh, my goodness. That's why they were playing Future in the locker room. They said up there. You know, on that, I feel like, like we're going in. Wow. That, that's wow. a perfect time. Yeah. And there, this I said it. man brought Sierra and Future into it. I feel like oh, that, that's oh, I'm just saying what they did, bro. I'm just saying. They, they played Future in the Broncos locker room. I don't even know how they did that. They just played Future in the Broncos locker room. After an L? After the after the game too. After the game. That's what that's what he heard. Pete Carroll went they to the Pete Carroll went to went to the uh the media session afterwards and said Russell Wilson's our past. He focused on the future. Okay? I think I think so. Yeah. All right, I'm capping on that. Russ, uh Pete Carroll. <laughs> that's it. Imagine if he did. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Would have been crazy. <laughs> well, you know what? We just. This is a great time to wrap it up. This has been a dynamite episode. We were missing a couple of dudes, Mar and Johnny, you know, but they'll be back for uh, next week. Episode 72, we're going to be going just rolling on the NFL week two. Same thing like we did this week. We're going to go over some of the biggest games, biggest stories. So keep it locked in. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Restricted Zone Pod and follow all of our personal social medias, which will be in the bio to the episode. So for Kendrick, Chris, Greg, and our host, Colin. I'm Jonah Wooten. Thank you for listening. Good night.